Why not make a donation? MutinyRadio.fm Streaming live the station MutinyRadio.fm District of the Mission MutinyRadio.fm MutinyRadio.fm Listen to live streaming radio Or download a podcast and you can listen on the go MutinyRadio.fm Hit the donate button Stream them live Download a podcast Have some fun San Francisco Mutiny The Ministry of Lava manages our national lava resources to ensure that we will always have a steady supply of lava to operate the nation's active volcanoes, which in turn power our cities and methamphetamine labs. As a matter of national security, we need to reduce our dependence on foreign lava, which means an expansion of domestic lava drilling. As your chancellor, I will build lava wells all over the country as well as secure access to more lava fields by invading Hawaii. Imagine orange gold spurting out from school playgrounds on the Great Plains and illuminating the Nebraska sky like fireworks on the 4th of July. Magma oozing over the rolling hills of Kentucky. Volcanic ash settling gently over homes in New England like fresh gray snow. If you want global lava markets to continue to be dominated by terriblest regimes like Iceland, Chile, and the Philippines, vote for my opponent, who sits in their back pocket as comfortably as Pahoehoe on the slopes of Kilauea. If you want the United States to stay competitive in the era of peak lava and beyond, then take a chance on the Chancellor.
medicine corporation government selling me some cover-up weaponizing pesticides poisoning my groceries nothing but another drug a license they can buy and sell no i don't mind dying
Good morning, mutineers. This is the B, and you're tuned in to Labor and Love Radio. Lucky you. Working the day shift with you every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 here on Mutiny Radio in the heart of San Francisco's Mission District. A complete Community Culture Center, a space for you to use. Come on down and become a programmer. Bring your art, bring your talents, bring your comedic talents. Our station manager, Pam Benjamin, is the heavyweight champion of underground comedy here in San Francisco. This is Labor and Love Radio, where we tell you how it is. We tell you that if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. This is where we tell you that if you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, that is where you work, you're on the menu. And never, please, never, Never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. Labor, history, commentary, news, opinion, interviews by, for, and about working people. Well, what do we got this week? Of course, we're uh, coming up on Indigenous Peoples Day. There's still kind of a resistance as white America, you know, defends its legend uh, of Columbus and the quote-unquote discovery of America. Got radio labor, the world news around from labor movements around the world. 
We've got labor history in two minutes. And yes, the aforementioned Columbus invasion. John Trudell, have you heard of John Trudell? Poems by Dylan Thomas, Jack Kerouac, John Keats. Just because I love poems about October. Can de-escalation training prevent police violence? No, I don't know. Anyway, Francesca Ramsey on her Decoded show will take up that question. Endorsements from the California Labor Federation. Which propositions serve labor and which don't? Trump's anti-worker labor board. Bay Area hospital workers go on strike. From Labor Notes. Let's see what else have we got here. Prepared for you. A bunch of union organizers explain what's wrong with unions. We ask the real experts about the gap between public enthusiasm for unions and the lack of actual union members. That'll be from In These Times. Francesca Fiorentini with Why Are So Many Native Americans? Speaking of Native Americans being infected with diseases, it's still happening. I had a really good uh, a really good um, insight from uh, an organizer, a guy who was working in Mexico. And uh, he said that that war, that war of colonialism, that war where Whites from Europe came came to the U.S. That war is still going on. As long as we keep that war going, you know that show that still going on. So, I guess we can say that the war of occupation is still going on. Let's see. Why are so many Native Americans? Why don't we play that one first this week? Nation hard. With roughly 175,000 residents, this indigenous reservation has a higher COVID-19 infection rate than any state in the U.S. Been coughing out blood for about a week from the virus. It was something. I've never got a cold like that. Despite the high rates of infection, the crisis here has received little mainstream media attention. We've come to find out why the virus spread so fast. It becomes deeply personal and overwhelming with every death that we hear about. And witness the toll that COVID-19 is taking on this Native community. 
these families are desperate. They want to ensure that they don't inadvertently spread this virus. Widespread mining has contaminated the water and environment. They would just drink the water from there. They never knew that it was terrible. They've all died from cancers. That and limited access to fresh food makes people on the reservation especially vulnerable to the virus. It just feels like the pandemic has exacerbated existing problems in our communities. Janine Yazzie was born on the reservation, which extends into the states of Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico. Since the pandemic hit, she's been delivering food throughout the community. These families are desperate and they're trying. They, they want to ensure that they don't inadvertently spread this virus in their communities, but what other choice do they have when they're in a household with six grandchildren that are hungry and that want water? They have no other choice but to try to go out to these uh, border towns to, to get whatever they can afford. Today, she's outside the reservation handing out masks in Gallup, New Mexico. We're here at Walmart to give out masks to our relatives that are only wearing a bandana, our elders that have no mask at all. We know a lot of our elders are gonna be out because it's the first of the month and they've gotten their social security checks. One of the reasons COVID-19 is spreading so quickly is that most people shop in the same places. There are just 13 full-service grocery stores in the entire Navajo Reservation, which is roughly the size of West Virginia. In the beginning, when families were diagnosed with COVID, they were just told by the hospitals to go home for two weeks and self-isolate. And these families live, you know, 70 to 120 miles away from the hospital. So they would immediately go into panic mode and start to go shopping in the community before going home. But they didn't have masks. They didn't have the ability to sterilize everything. Residents say food prices are high on the reservation. And that's why most people come to border towns to do their shopping. There's been a lot of criticism, especially of like mothers and people bringing their children to stores like this. But a lot of people don't realize that we have no child care. When people are traveling 80 to 120 miles to get here, that you leave your children at home for the whole day. And that's not an option for some of these families. But for many, this long day trip to the store may have been worthless. On the same day, Gallup's mayor called for a full lockdown. It seems yeah. like the shutdown was to keep us out and yeah. keep them safe. But at the end of the day, that is indigenous territory. That is Diné land, that is Zuni land, that is Pueblo land. If anybody's our visitors, then it's the people who are trying to shut us out. They need to remember that they're on indigenous land. In the last few weeks, the COVID-19 infection rate on the reservation has surpassed the numbers of the most affected states, New York and New Jersey. It now has more than 2,825 cases per 100,000 people. Emerson Nez survived the illness. The first week of April, I was just laying in bed for a good six, seven days. I barely move and just isolate myself. The second week got even worse and ended up going to the hospital about five times. Been coughing out blood for about a week from the virus. It was something. I've, I've never got a cold like that. I had a really bad back pain in my lungs. They uh, had to give me some morphine just to take that pain away so I could breathe. It took Emerson over a month to recover from his symptoms. We don't know who's carrying it until it's too late, that you already have it and you're sick. Next thing you know, you're in an ambulance on your way to the hospital.
Shindeen Herrera is a recent college graduate. She decided to come back home to the reservation to work for her community. We're gonna meet up at the Foot in the Rocks Cafe, uh, where the Blood Mutual Aid Group has packaged um, deliveries that will be going out today and the rest of the week. She volunteers with the Navajo and Hopi Families COVID-19 Relief Fund. The group has raised over $4 million in donations to help families in need. I'm trying to do what I can during this pandemic and ensuring that our families have food on the table every day, um, you know, have fresh water to drink, that their babies have diapers. 85% of the roads in Navajo land are dirt roads. Delivering food through this vast territory is particularly difficult. A lot of families live super far and, you know, my vehicle can't go on a really bad dirt road, so they'll meet us at the main highway and we ask that they stay in their vehicle and we put the box in the back of their truck or in their trunk. We try to be as safe as possible. Today, Shandine is delivering to her own aunt and uncle on the reservation. So I haven't seen you guys for a while because of everything going on, so I just wanted to catch up and kind of see how you guys are doing with everything. The food's all gone. The toilet paper's all gone. All the sanitation supplies are gone. That's what the Navajo people are dealing with today. Much like 30% of the reservation, the Morgans don't have running water at home. That makes it even more difficult to follow safety protocols and prevent the virus from spreading within close-knit families. We go to Cortez to get our drinking water. Even though we have a well here that we use to water our lawn and our livestock and so forth, but we don't drink it. As I grew up, I used to drink all the water in the springs. As I'm herding sheep, I would just dig a little hole and let it clear up and drink the water, and there was no problem. But over the years, and with all the oil and gas activity, the water has all gotten bad. Up until the mid-80s, 30 million tons of uranium ore were extracted from Navajo land. The dust from more than 500 abandoned mines are still contaminating streams and wells. And up to this day, coal mining and power plants, as well as fracking, continue to contaminate the water. My uh, uncle used to go from mine to mine, and their kids would play in all of this mining dust, the yellow dust, and the water, they would just drink the water from there, and they never knew that it was terrible. Well, they're all gone. They've all you know, died from different uh, cancers. But it's not only contamination that's having an adverse impact on health. Limited access to fresh food is also a chronic issue. The Navajo Nation is a food desert by every definition. We don't have fresh produce in our diets. It's expensive. I think it's important you know, for people to see that aspect um, when they look at the statistics on why Native people have you know, high rates of diabetes, um, high rates of other health issues that are linked to nutrition. The Navajo have managed to survive for centuries in this land, and for the most part, they've made it on their own. David Saussier is a professor and Navajo medicine man. He believes that going back to a more traditional relationship with the land will help his community get through the pandemic. What we have always talked about is to try to revert back to the use of our land to plant corn, squash, melon, and other, other vegetables and fruits that we can use rather than buying from Basha's, uh, Safeway, and all these other grocery stores. 
And to get the process started, he and a group of elders are blessing seeds to distribute among the Navajo. The purpose to say a prayer and to, to bless the, the seeds and then also to ask that there will be a, an abundance of rain. And with the seeds also goes a prayer that this community may continue to exist and thrive long after the pandemic. We have stories about pandemic among our, our people. There's one, they refer to that as the Spanish flu. And our people, they refer to that as the Kosinsa. There were other virus, but we've always been able to survive that. The bottom line is that we have relatives out there that are really close to you and that you want to continue to be with them long after this pandemic passes. We want to continue as a group, continue on into the future. Okay, that was a report on the crisis. I mean, we're all more or less in crisis these days, but it seems like it's particularly intense. The powerless, the powerless groups in our society, there's a scramble for wealth and survival. And uh, the poor are just not positioned well to take care of it, to participate in the game. How did this happen? How did this happen? How did this proud group, the Navajo, get brought to its knees? What happened? And of course the answer is Columbus happened. Columbus happened. Columbus came and brought with him the relations that would pertain from that time on. When I say the relations, I mean the relations between the ethnicities. Immediately it became the native was a slave the Spanish person was the master. The gender relations. Okay, the native women became the slaves and endured rape from the Europeans because the Europeans made the power structure. So how can I get off talking about labor? Well, that was part of it. If you were a native, you were a slave. You belonged to somebody. Your labor belonged to somebody. Let's play this one. The Tainos of the Caribbean, the Columbus Invasion, Part 1.
Most of the images you are about to see are between four and 500 years old. Many were drawn by artists who were there, who witnessed and recorded these historical truths. An ancient Maya prophecy says that the American Indian people will undergo 500 years of suffering. Then the eagle of the north and the condor of the south will finally come together and join their tears. And when they do, the Indian nations will be reborn. Many Indian elders say that the 500 years are 1492 to 1992, that the cycle is now coming to a close and the Indian nations are about to be reborn. The, the Caribbean islands were once the homeland of the Taino Indian people. They were a prosperous, friendly nation, numbering in the millions. Taino means peaceful or good. They lived in villages of round palm thatched huts called canaves. The men hunted with trained little barkless dogs. Their main weapons were fishbone tipped spears, and they used pet parrots to decoy wild ones, then noose their feet. They fished the sea and dug out canoes, some large enough to carry 80 or more. The Tainos were great swimmers. Their bread was cassava, baked on a stone griddle. They kept a pepper pot soup simmering at all times. They shaped clay coils into pots, wove baskets from bijeo leaves. They mixed earth and ashes into mounds where they grew cassava. On hillsides, they planted corn, five kernels in each hole a pace apart. They grew yams, beans, pepper, coconut, papayas, pineapple. They bathed daily using deagle root as soap. They slept in net hammocks. To lock a house, they placed a stick across the entrance, and no Taino would think to pass. They wore ornaments of gold, shell, and bone, and almost no clothes. At the hub of each village was a plaza, a ceremonial center with a temple, a court where they played a ceremonial ball game, and the bojillo, home of the cacique, or chief, and his or her extended family. The cacique could be either man or woman, such as the powerful and wise Nkanabo and Anacaona. The cacique's job was the village welfare, assigning the daily work routine and making sure everyone got a fair share. Their only rivals were the caribes, who lived on faraway islands and raided occasionally in search of women. Then one day, three huge ships appeared offshore with strange people on board. Many said, this was Guami Kina, the culture giver, returned. Ages ago, Guami Kina had come down from the sky in a great ship and taught the people the Taino way of life. 
When he was through, he returned to the sky, but said he would come back someday. So, many thought these new strangers were Guamekina and his people, and went to greet them with precious gifts. But at the very first island the ships touched, called Guanahani, the strangers kidnapped six Tainos and took them away. The ships continued on to other larger islands, but off the shore of Haiti, one of their ships hit a reef, fell on its side, and split apart. The Tainos rescued the strangers. The year was 1492. The ship was the Santa Maria. And Guamequina was Christopher Columbus. Columbus was lost and thought he was near India. So he called the Tainos Indians. He was looking for China and carried a letter from the king and queen of Spain to the emperor Kublai Khan. He traded the Tainos little bells and mirrors for their gold ornaments. The Tainos treated the strangers like honored guests. They built Columbus a village and fed his entire crew for weeks. And finally, Columbus sailed back to Spain, leaving 39 men behind. Ten months later, he returned at the head of an armada of 17 ships, 1,500 soldiers, horses, and cannon. He returned with his army because Columbus was just not an explorer. He came in search of gold and power, not just to discover the Indies, but to conquer them. Columbus was the first military leader of the European invasion of the Western Hemisphere. He had cut a deal with the king and queen of Spain that he would become governor of all lands he could conquer, and they would share all the gold, silver, pearls, gems, and spices he could grab. Okay, that's part one of Columbus and his arrival in the New World. Painful to listen to the whole thing, let me tell you. Okay, um, let's play some music here. Let's, let's lighten things up. Um, this is the B, and you're listening to Labor and Love Radio. And of course, what does Columbus have to do with labor? The whole system was based on Indian labor, and Indian labor doing the work. Spanish getting the Indians, forcing the Indians to work, and then extracting the value from the resources they produced with their work. It's called, hello, it's called capitalism, where one person exploits another and uses that person's labor to make themselves rich. Uh, let, let's go through. Let's just re reboot here. We started out our show today with Bob Marley and the Whalers. 
with the song Exodus, Movement of the People. St. Marie was up with power in the blood. And then I played one I haven't played for a long time, the Bob Dylan version of his song, You Gotta Serve Somebody, because that's part and parcel of what we're talking about here on Labor and Love Radio. You gotta serve somebody. It might be the devil and it might be the Lord. It might be capital and it might be labor. It might be your community or it might be a huge plastic America. All these things are possible. Let's see here. How about Calle 13? <laughs> Soy, soy lo que dejaron, soy todas las obras de lo que se robaron, un pueblo escondido en la cima, mi piel es de cuero, por eso aguanta cualquier clima, soy una fábrica de humo, mano de obra campesina para tu consumo, frente de frío en el medio del verano, el amor en los tiempos del cólera, mi hermano, el sol que nace y el día que muere, con los mejores atardeceres, soy el desarrollo en carne viva, un discurso político sin saliva, las caras más bonitas que he conocido, soy la fotografía de un desaparecido, la sangre dentro de tus venas, soy un pedazo de tierra que vale la pena una canasta con frijoles, soy Maradona contra Inglaterra anotándote dos goles, soy lo que sostiene mi bandera, la espina dorsal del planeta en mi cordillera, soy lo que me enseñó mi padre, el que no quiere a su patria, no quiere a su madre, soy América Latina, un pueblo sin pierna pero que camina, oye, tú no puedes comprar el viento, tú no puedes comprar el sol, tú no puedes comprar la lluvia, tú no puedes comprar el calor, tú no puedes comprar las nubes, tú no puedes comprar los colores, tú no puedes comprar mi alegría, tú no puedes comprar mis dolores, tú no puedes comprar el viento, tú no puedes comprar al sol, tú no puedes comprar la lluvia, tú no puedes comprar el calor, tú no puedes comprar las nubes, tú no puedes comprar los colores, tú no puedes comprar mi alegría, tú no puedes comprar mis dolores. Tengo los lagos, tengo los ríos, tengo mis dientes pa' cuando me sonrío, la nieve que maquilla mis montañas. Tengo el sol que me seca y la lluvia que me baña Un desierto embriagado con peyote Un trago de pulque para cantar con los coyotes Todo lo que necesito Tengo a mis pulmones respirando azul clarito La altura que sofoca Soy las muelas de mi boca mascando coca El otoño con sus hojas desmayadas Los versos escritos bajo la noche estrellada Una viña repleta de uva Un cañaveral bajo el sol en Cuba Soy el mar caribe que vigila las casitas haciendo rituales y agua bendita el viento que peina mi cabello soy todos los santos que cuelgan de mi cuello el jugo de mi lucha no es artificial porque el abono de mi tierra es natural tú no puedes comprar el viento tú no puedes comprar el sol tú no puedes comprar la lluvia tú no puedes comprar el calor tú no puedes comprar las nubes tú no puedes comprar los colores tú no puedes 
parte, lo mío es tuyo. Este pueblo no se ahoga con marullo. Y si se derrumba, yo lo reconstruyo. Tampoco pestañeo cuando te miro para que te recuerde de mi apellido. La operación Cóndor invadiendo mi nido. Perdono, pero nunca olvido. Oye.
the love are hanging on me, push and shove. Possession is the motivation that is hanging up. The goddamn nation looks like we always end up in a rut. Twisted children are killing frogs. Poor dumb rednecks rolling logs. Tired old ladies kissing dogs. I hate the human love of that stinking butt. I can't use it. Trying to make it real compared to what. don't know just what it's for nobody gives us a rhyme or reason have a one doubt they call it treason we're chicken feathers all the way Filling us with pride. They all trying to teach us what they think is right. They really got to be some kind of nut. I can't use it. Trying to make it real compared to what
Admit that the waters above you have grown and accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone. If your time to you is worth saving, then you'd better stop swimming or you'll sink like a stone for the time.
Well, I guess that's it for our uh, Nina Simone piece. I'm trying to think if I played it myself before. Come gather round, people. Play it from about half on. Sorry about that. get much better than Nina Simone singing Dylan. Maybe Nina Simone singing blues. Nina Simone with uh, the anthem, kind of the anthem of the civil rights movement and the whole uh, political reaction, the whole political movement for uh, democracy in the uh, 60s. That energy we're bringing forward to use now. We certainly need it now. That was Nina Simone with the times they are a change in, and then I just threw in Les McCann because of his question, compared to what? How was Columbus compared to what? How is Donald Trump compared to what? How are times in America now compared to what? The secret, of course, is that the resistance is still going on. The resistance never flagged for a minute. 
And when white America finally woke up this year and realized what's been happening to your black brothers and sisters all this time with police, these incidents used to happen all the time. And they would get, the cops would get their hands slapped or they would get suspended or they would get fired and then they could go to another district and get a job. So, I mean, it, it basically didn't do any. Well, I followed you, promised some uh, poems. And these are three poems about October. We have Dylan Thomas, John Keats, John Keats, English poet in the early 19th century. To Autumn by John Keats Season of mists and mellow fruitfulness Close bosom friend of the maturing sun Conspiring with him how to load and bless with fruit The vines that round the thatch eaves run to bend with apples the mossed cottage trees, and fill all fruit with ripeness to the core, to swell the gourd, and plump the hazel shells with a sweet kernel, to set budding more, and still more, later flowers for the bees, until they think warm days will never cease, for summer has o'erbrimmed their clammy cells. Who hath not seen thee oft amid thy store? Sometimes whoever seeks abroad may find thee sitting careless on a granary floor, thy hair soft lifted by the winnowing wind, or on a half-reaped furrow sound asleep, drowsed with the fume of poppies, while thy hook spares the next swath and all its twined flowers. And sometimes, like a gleaner thou dost keep steady thy laden head across a brook, or by a cider press, with patient look, thou watchest the last oozings hours by hours. Where are the songs of spring? Ay, where are they? Think not of them, thou hast thy music too. While barred clouds bloom the soft-dying day And touch the stubble plains with rosy hue, Then in a wailful choir The small gnats mourn among the river sallows, Borne aloft or sinking as the light wind lives or dies. And full-grown lambs loud bleat from hilly born, Hedge crickets sing, And now with treble soft The redbreast whistles from a garden croft, and gathering swallows twitter in the skies. That was uh, John Keats' Ode to Autumn. Uh, what we call the traditional poem with rhymes and a rhyme scheme and a pattern and a 
hammering, I should have wrote. A beat, a rhythm. Okay, here's one by Dylan Thomas. This would qualify as a modern poem. Read by Thomas himself. It was my 30th year to heaven, woke to my hearing from harbor and neighborhood, and the mussel pooled and the heron priested shore. The morning beckoned with water praying and call of seagull and rook and the knock of sailing boats on the net-webbed wall. Myself to set foot that second in the still sleeping town and set forth. My birthday began with the water birds and the birds of the winged trees flying my name above the farms and the white horses. And I rose in rainy autumn and walked abroad in a shower of all my days. High tide and the heron died when I took the road over the border, and the gates of the town closed as the town awoke. A sprinkle of larks in a rolling cloud, and the roadside bushes brimming with whistling blackbirds, and the sun of October, summery on the hill's shoulder. Here were fond climates and sweet Singers suddenly come in the morning where I wandered and listened to the rain-ringing wind blow cold in the wood far away under me. Pale rain over the dwindling harbor and over the sea-wet church the size of a snail with its horns full mist and the castle brown as owls. But all the gardens of spring and summer were blooming the tall tales beyond the border and under the lark-full cloud. There would I marvel my birthday away, but the weather turned around. It turned away from the blithe country, and down the other air and the blue-altered sky streamed again a wonder of summer with apples, pears, and red currants. And I saw in the turning so clearly a child's forgotten mornings when he walked with his mother through the parables of sunlight and the legends of the green chapels and the twice-told fields of infancy that his tears burned my cheeks and his heart moved in mine. These were the woods, the river, and sea where a boy in the listening summertime of the dead whispered the truth of his joy to the trees and the stones and the fish in the tide. And the mystery sang alive, still in the water and singing birds. And there could I marvel my birthday away, but the weather turned around. And the true joy of the long dead child sang burning in the sun. It was my thirtieth year to heaven, stood there then in the summer noon, where the town below lay leaved with October blood. Oh, may my heart's truth still be sung on this high hill in a year's turning. Dylan Thomas there with his... Uh... 
home in October. And the last poem, prose poem, I guess we could call it flash fiction. October and the Railroad, or if you've been listening to this show, you've probably heard this before. I just think it's so appropriate to uh, living in San Francisco. Snapshot. How it was in the 50s. There was a little alley in San Francisco, back of the Southern Pacific Station at 3rd and Townsend, in red brick of drowsy, lazy afternoons with everybody at work and offices. In the air, you feel the impending rush of their commuter frenzy. As soon they'll be charging en masse for market and sansom buildings on foot and in buses and all well-dressed through working man Frisco of walk-up truck drivers. And even the poor grime be marked Third Street of lost bums, even Negroes so hopeless and long left east and meanings of responsibility and try. But now all they do is stand there spitting in the broken glass, sometimes 50 in one afternoon against one wall at Third and Howard. Here's all these Milbray and San Carlos neat necktied producers and commuters of America and steel civilization rushing by with San Francisco chronicles and green call bulletins, not even enough time to be disdainful. They've got to catch 130, 132, 134, 136, all the way up to 146 till the time of evening supper in homes of the railroad earth when high in the sky the magic stars ride above the following hot shot freight trains. It's all in California. It's all a sea. I swim out of it in afternoons of sun-hot meditation in my jeans with head on handkerchief on Brakeman's lantern or, if not working, on book. I look up at blue sky of perfect lost purity and feel the warp of wood of old America beneath me. And I have insane conversations with Negroes in second-story windows above, and everything is pouring in. The switching moves of boxcars in that little alley, which is so much like the alleys of Lowell, and I hear far off in the sense of coming night that engine calling our mountains. But it was that beautiful cut of clouds I could always see above the little SP alley. Puffs floating by from Oakland, or the gate of Marin to the north, or San Jose south. The clarity of Cal to break your heart. It was the fantastic drowse and drum hum of lum mum afternoon, nothing to do. Old Frisco with end of land sadness. The people, the alley full of trucks and cars of businesses nearabouts. Nobody knew or far from cared who I was all my life, 3,500 miles from birth all opened up and at last belonged to me in great America. Now it's night in Third Street. The keen little neons and also yellow bulb lights of impossible to believe plops. The dark ruined shadows moving back of torn yellow shades like a degenerate China with no money. The cats in Annie's alley. The flop comes on, moans, rolls. The street is loaded with darkness. Blue sky above with stars hanging high over old hotel roofs. 
and blowers of hotels mooning out dusts of interior. The grime inside the word in mouths falling out tooth by tooth. The reading rooms tick-tock big clock with creak chair and slant boards and old faces looking up over rimless spectacles bought in some West Virginia or Florida or Liverpool, England pawn shop long before I was born. And across rains, they've come to the end of the land sadness, end of the world gladness. All your San Francisco will have to fall eventually and burn again. But I'm walking, and one night, a bum fell into the hole of the construction job where they're tearing a sewer by day. The husky Pacific and electric youths in torn jeans who work there, often I think of going up to some of them, like, say, blonde ones with wild hair and torn shirts, and they say, you ought to apply for the railroad. It's much easier work. You don't stand around the street all day and you get much more pay. But this bum fell in the hole. You saw his foot stick out. British MG, also driven by some eccentric, once backed into that hole. As I came home from a long Saturday afternoon local to Hollister, out of San Jose, miles away across virtuous fields of prune and juice joy, here's this British MG backed and legs up, wheels up into a pit and bums and cops standing right outside the coffee shop. It was the way they fenced it, but he never had the nerve to do it due to the fact that he had no money and nowhere to go and oh, his father was dead, no, oh, his mother was dead, no, oh, his sister was dead, no, oh, his whereabout was dead, was dead. But and then at that time also, I used to lay in my room on long Saturday afternoons listening to Jumpin' George with my fifth toque, no tea, and just under the sheets laughed to hear the crazy music. Mama, he treats your daughter mean. Mama, Papa, don't you come in here, I'll kill you, etc. Getting high by myself in room glooms, and all wondrous knowing about the Negro, the essential American, out there, always finding his solace, his meaning, in the Fellaheen street and not an abstract morality. And even when he has a church, you see the pastor out front bowing to the ladies on the make. You hear his great vibrant voice on the Sunday afternoon sidewalk full of sexual vibratos saying, why, yes, ma'am, but the gospels do say that man was born of woman's womb. <laughs> no, and so, by that time, I come crawling out of my warm sack and hit the street. When I see the railroad ain't gonna call me till 5 a.m. Sunday morning, probably for a local out of Bay Shore, in fact, always for a local out of Bay Shore. And I go to the whale bar of all the wild bars in the world, the one and only Third and Howard. And there I go in and drink with the madmen, and if I get drunk, I get. The girl who come up to me in there one night, I was there with Al Buckle, said to me, you wanna play with me tonight, Jim? And I didn't think I, I didn't think I had enough money. And I told this to Charlie Lowe, and he laughed, said, how do you know she wanted money? Always take the chance that she might be out just for love, or just out for love, you know what I mean, don't be a sucker. She was a good-looking doll, and she said, how would you like to ooh your coup with me, mon? And I stood there like a jerk. In fact, bought drink, got drink drunk that night, and in the 299 Club, I was hit by the proprietor, the band breaking up the fight, before I had a chance to decide to hit him back, which I didn't want to do anyway. Not on the street, I tried to rush back in, but they had locked the door and were looking at me through the forbidden glass in the door with faces like undersea. I should have played with her shoo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-
working man's view in the 1950s. All right, let's see. Let's look at the what the California Labor Federation says about the state propositions. Next week we'll have the city ballot measures. No recommendations on Prop 14, other medical research funding, stem cells. Some say that uh, it's putting the cart before the horse, before we have a, uh, a good public health, health plan for everybody. Uh, Maybe we should wait and spend the money on that. Prop 15, funding for public schools, community colleges, local government by changing, changing tax assessment of commercial property. Yes, in thunder. This will increase, only increase valuations for buildings, properties over $3 million. For example, the Disney Corporation, because of Prop 13, now pays taxes based on its 1978 valuations. This was a huge loophole for corporations. At the time Prop 13 passed, uh, the big interest made it seem like it was for the, for the small homeowner, which it was. You could save a few hundred bucks on tax, and your tax is great. But at the same time, huge corporations were saving millions, tens of millions of dollars on their taxes. And guess what? When you don't have a progressive tax system, your schools tend to go downhill. Your public services that are paid for by those tax funds Degenerate. Anyway, yes on 15. Yes on 16, they say, it authorizes repeal of Proposition 209, Affirmative Action Amendment, which denied the right of institutions like schools to use affirmative action in um, evaluating applications. So this is a yes. This would mean they could do it again. Um, Prop 17, California voter voting rights restoration for persons on control. parole. Pretty straightforward. Yes, on Prop 18, letting 17-year-olds vote on local issues. Yes, property tax transfers, exemptions, and revenue for wildfire agencies. Yes. No, on 20, this is uh, the tough on crime one, restricts parole, authorizes felony sentences for certain offenses currently treated as misdemeanors. Prop 21, ex 
expands local government's authority to enact rent control. They're on the fence with that one. I would vote yes as someone who's uh, currently being evicted from his home for 15 years. I would say anything that gives more power to renters or some weapons at least to get a fair hearing should be passed. 22, this is the uh, Uber drivers one. And as usual, the company Uber says people want to be contractors. They don't want benefits. They don't want pensions. They don't want health plans that regular employees have. I would guess that they probably do want those things. Kidney dialysis clinics, they say yes. And of course, now the commercials are on with the older people who are on dialysis saying that if this law passes, it will mean that they have to close. Well, this is the problem. This is what corporations always say. These are big corporations now. This is what they always say, that if we are forced to follow rules and regulations, unreasonable, then we're going to have to go out of business. Well, somehow they usually don't. And somehow those regulations are not so extreme anyway. Prop 24 amends consumer privacy laws, no. And 25 referendum to overturn law that replaced money bail. The idea of, you know, you get jailed if you can't put bail. People are trying to deal with that. About 11.30 now, and um, that's the California Labor Federation with their recommendations. Little labor news. Understaffed and unsafe Bay Area hospital workers strike. Workers at eight campuses of the Alameda Health System in California's East Bay will begin a five-day strike, began a five-day strike on October 7th. They have a lack of leadership in the administration before the crisis that was just heightened during the crisis, says Adrian Jackson, a respiratory therapist. We have to fight the administration impossible for us to give 100% of our care and attention to the patients who desperately need it when we have to fight them. The 3,200 members of the Service Employees Union, Local 1021, make up three bargaining units. Nurses, advanced practitioners, and staffers, such as housekeepers, technicians, social workers, food service workers, and many more. The vote was 98% for an unfair labor practice strike. SEIU is alleging that management threatened employees with discipline if they struck. 
surveilled members who honored an earlier picket line, refused information requests, retaliated against certain workers who were organizing by laying them off, and issued a public statement against AHS Chapter Chair John Pearson, claiming he was taking advantage of a public helping crisis. CNA nurses, 300 of them, will join the strike. We'll see how that one comes out. I do want to play this piece by John Trudell. John Trudell is a native, was a Native American writer, musician, folk singer, and a prophet. This one is called Mining Minds. ourselves or participate in this reality from the perceptional reality of a human being. We do, it, we do it from gender, we do it from race, we do it from religion, we do it from blah, blah, blah. We do it from all these different things, but we don't participate in this reality with the perceiving reality as a human being. And no matter how you look at race, gender, or any of the other things that we participate, class, any of these other things, every one of those things participates in reality from some form of feeling as though they're a victim. It's just psychologically programmed in. So we need to remember that we're human beings. We need to think and feel and see like human beings because that's what the whole industrialized civilization, civilizing process was about and is about is to, e to erase our ability to recognize ourselves as human beings. This is about altering perceptual reality. This is how you change spiritual perceptions of reality. You get the human being to no longer understand being a human being, and then you've altered their spiritual reality, man, and you really have major big time, and after that, it's always about catch-up. It's a human being. So we need to remember that. Whatever, whatever it is that we're dealing with, we need to think like human beings our power. And this is where it's important to, to understand about being a human being because we don't recognize ourselves as a human, rec if we recognize ourselves as human beings. Human, bone, flesh, and blood. All right, is made up of the DNA. We're, our DNA, we're made up of the metals, minerals, and liquids of the earth. We are shapes of the earth. We have being. All things of the earth are made up of, the, they have the same DNA. Everything on the earth, same metals, minerals, and liquids make everything on the earth. Everything on the earth has being. We all have being. Our being comes from our relationship to the sun-sky universe. It's, it's literally like sunlight. That's like the sperm that brings life to the water-bearing womb that is the earth. So our relationship as human beings to the reality of power is in our relationship to that reality. Now, being, our power. Right? So we're in this perceptional and technologic reality where we, we know that they can take the flesh and blood that's called uranium and put it through a mining process in the fossils and convert its being into a form of energy to run a system. Well, they do that to us. <laughs> take the being part of human, right? 
and through mining our minds through the indoctrination and programming of how to perceive reality they use our intelligence they use our minds all right to mine the energy our being and turn it into a form of energy to run their system and they do this because we're human beings this is why we have to remember who we are now we and we know that when you take when, when you take the other life life forms being is is a life form so whether it's a stone life form when you take the other life form Right? And you put them through this mining process, it leaves behind poison and toxic waste. And we're, we're aware of that. Well, when you mine the being part of human, all right, it leaves behind poison and toxic waste. And the poison and toxic waste are the fears, the doubts, and the insecurities all right, that become a part of our perceptual, re perceptual reality. So once the mining has taken place, we no longer rem remember we're human beings. And we're participating in reality based upon our perception of reality through our inabilities. Our fears, our doubts, and our insecurities. Get behind the bravado. I mean, away from the, the bravado and the mask and all the paint and stuff, right? Down to the reality. Basically, we participate in this reality based upon our perception of our inabilities. Now, take that, all right? Now, how many of you have ever had a moment of feeling powerless when you were sitting in a room, all right, or had this feeling powerless, all right? And through your fears and your doubts and your insecurities, how bad can you make yourself feel? And then, how does that affect the people around you? All right? Well, there's an obvious contradiction here. You're not powerless. See? We've just been programmed to believe we're powerless while we're using our power, all right, to disrespect ourselves and everything around us in a negative way. And every bit of that was programmed into how we're into how we perceive reality. So it's not about powerlessness. It's about recognizing who we are and using that power in a healthy way. So it's really an issue of coherence. See, if, we, if we understand that we're human beings and we access our power through co clear and coherent use of our intelligence, then we manifest, all right? And we can create and manifest the reality that we need. And we have to understand it. We do it all the time because if we sit around and make ourselves feel miserable, then we're manifesting that reality. See, so it's just a matter of a slight perception, <laughs> shift of perception of, of how we perceive reality, the power of our intelligence. See, now, and everyone that wants a spiritual relationship to life and whatever the spiritual quest is, and to me, in my own mind, and I mean no disrespect to anybody, you know, I, to me, it isn't going to be real to the Creator until we use the gifts that the Creator gave us in the way the Creator gave them to us. See, all of it is lip service. You know? Well, I'm sorry, but lip service isn't going to synchronize us with our power. To show respect to our Creator, then we need to show the respect. We need to respect the intelligence our Creator gave us and use it clearly and coherently. See, th th this is how the prayers get answered. This is how the thing starts to happen. Because we're, we're adding coherent, we're, we're introducing coherency into the reality of energy. If there's anything that this predator energy fears, anything that they fear, it's a clear, coherent, thinking human being. They don't care if you got a gun, a bomb, they don't care if you hijack air, they don't care about any of that because they got more guns, more bombs, more airplanes. They invented the gun, guns, the bombs, and the airplanes. They don't care. They, they, see, because that feeds into the energy of chaos and incoherence.
to use the intelligence as clearly and coherently as possible. Now, so, the, so a way, a part of the programming has taken effect, a way, a part, a part of the way that it has worked is they have turned the human beings into citizens and religions and things, all right? But they have taken away our ability to think. I mean, they haven't really taken away because the ability's there, but they've, but they've taken away us, our understanding that we have that ability. They have replaced thinking with believing, all right? Now, I never, just your own little poll as you wander around reality, how many times do you hear people say I think versus how many times do you hear people say I believe? Well, believing and thinking, they're two different things, <laughs> all right? All right? And actually, believe has a lie right in the middle. <laughs> all right? Think about that. Because <laughs> actual reality is, if I, <laughs> if I believe, I mean in reality, that means I don't know. <laughs> Why don't I just say it? If you believe, that means you don't know. But you won't go around and have conversations with people saying, I don't know this, I don't know that. So you just go around and say, well, I believe this, I believe that. <laughs> it, it's a nice little trick, but it's just keeping us completely disconnected from the reality of our power. See, it's like every, it's a vibratory, everything about energy, it's a vibratory reality. I mean, we project electromagnetic thought in scientific terms, <laughs> right? So everything. So words are sounds that we make. See, and thoughts are things. Our thoughts are way. It's a different kind of sound that we're sending out there. And it has its own vibratory thing. So the words that we make, the sounds that we make, should have something to do. I, I think. All right, in a tonal way, vibrating with what the thinking is doing. See, so I think that they've created language. See, that they alter these. Am I confusing? <laughs> so, so I think they've taken language, see, and they've created certain words, sounds, that neutralize what's being thought, just in the vibratory thing, because everything's about energy. So, because, and as an example, so when I sit around and say I believe... John Trudell, Native American prophet, Discussing how our minds are mined by the power structures. How they come to us and use the things we imagine and wish for on ourselves. It's called John Trudell Identity Crisis Changing Mind. All right, it's just about time for us to get out of here um, and surrender you up to Scott O. Walker and Flat Black Plastic. Um, play some music to go out. Traditionally, we play this one. if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table that is where you work, you're on the menu. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. This is Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. Of course, they don't want you to have unions. Of course, they don't want you to associate with one another at work. Your labor makes them rich. It's the same as it was when Columbus stepped foot on that little island, Bohio. He had invented a system where you exploit a person's life for your own profit. At first they just did it because that's how you do it. That's how you get somebody to do something. But then it became institutionalized where every day you take away a little bit more of a person's life and it became an institution replacing the uh, promise situation in feudalism where you were bound to the land by the law. This one was uh, workers were allowed to go around and starve anywhere they wanted. This is Kerry uh, Miraji, a classical guitarist from Japan, from her album called Portrait. This is the B. Have a good week and good work. Stay long and stay strong. I'll see you next week here at Mutiny Radio, mutinyradio.fm. Thanks for coming in. Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship.
as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> As the world gets wackier and less predictable in every way, it is more important than ever for us to all remember our roots. We wouldn't be here today if our ancestors hadn't had the capacity and the skills to take care of themselves and their communities using the resources in the natural world around them and their own two hands. My name is Wonia Tebow of Buckskin Revolution and Alone Season 6, and I started Buckskin Revolution not just to empower people with a wider range of skills to meet their basic needs, but also to inspire them with a sense of fulfillment and connection that comes with living a little closer to the earth and using our bodies, our minds, and our very DNA for what they evolved to do, to help us thrive without the need for modern technology and industry. If that sounds appealing to you, I hope you'll join me for the Fall 2020 Buckskin Revolution Online Skills Gathering, an eight-week learning experience designed to work within any schedule. It involves pre-recorded classes, live interactive sessions, and online community learning support from both myself and your fellow students. The need for these skills has never been more pressing, and Buxton Revolution is working hard to bring them to you. I hope you can join us. Get connected with yourself and the world around you at buckskinrevolution.com. Billy Bob. You ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience, like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead pestles? Well, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought or two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even going to be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radio. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Are the end times upon us? Not yet, my friends. Please, this is an impassioned plea from Pam Benjamin, the director of Mutiny Radio. Let us live past October. You think it's a joke? COVID is decimating all of us, and especially us here at Mutiny Radio. We have money left until October 1st. Don't let anyone sing, despite of their size. Please, please go donate to our GoFundMe. Go to Mutiny Radio 
Anchor.fm and click that GoFundMe button. Or just go to Venmo. Mutiny Radio, all one word. Just Mutiny Radio. Give us five bucks. Help us keep free speech and radical self-expression real and alive here in San Francisco and all over the world. Please donate to our Mutiny Radio GoFundMe and keep us alive in 2020 and beyond. Don't let our world end. I am Italian, and we brought you fascismus with Mussolini, and before that, the Romans. So if you think you live in a fascist country, well, you do. Antitrump.com is the antivirus to the Trump virus. It started in 2016 with two sketches and a dream for a better America. No one thought it would be this bad. He was a 70-year-old yammering nimrod. How bad could it possibly be? We are now in a global pandemic without adequate leadership. Individual politics are not important. We need to rally behind curing the Trump virus. Go to anti-Trump. Hey you, poetry digger. This is Bjork's sister, Mjork. It's okay. We also have a show and a weekly poetry reading on Mutiny Radio's Altacast. Zoomed every Wednesday at high noon from Glasgow, Scotland. One of our co-hosts from Choose Poetry, Choose Life, Andy Talbot, has a new poetry chapbook, Old Wounds, New Skin, which is available at analogsubmission.com now. Go buy it, and don't let poets lie to you. Once again, that's Andy Talbot's new poetry chapbook, Old Wounds, New Skin, available at analogsubmission.com. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube. We watch the best movies that, uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch
Radio.fm. Hit the donate button, stream them live, download a podcast, have some fun! Ministry of Lava manages our national lava resources to ensure that we will always have a steady supply of lava to operate the nation's active volcanoes, which in turn power our cities and methamphetamine labs. As a matter of national security, we need to reduce our dependence on foreign lava, which means an expansion of domestic lava drilling. As your chancellor, I will build lava wells all over the country, as well as secure access to more lava fields by invading Hawaii. Imagine orange gold 